Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him <laughs> up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. <laughs> oh man, it is uh, good stuff on the text slide. 512 447 3776 on the hiccups or a billion dollars coin flip question. My man Mark says, no way, my life is fine. If you lost a bet and you had the hiccups the rest of your life, you'd definitely kill yourself. Absolute certainty. Uh, this is, I couldn't risk having the hiccups for the rest of my life and nothing to show for it. I'm enough of a social pariah already. And somebody else said, trust me, you do not want the hiccups the rest of your life. Had two bouts with it. Worst of it being two days straight. Had acid reflux as the cause. Only way to stop them was laying down. It really was terrible. So uh, there you go. So you'll see. But Ty, here's the key, right? If you're going to flip a coin, and that's with you know, 50-50 to win a billion dollars or have the hiccups for the remainder of your life, if you chose not to, you could never flip the coin, right? You would never want to know what would have happened, right? You would never want the outcome. Now you can do that right flip. now. <laughs> well, don't do it. Oh, man, that is funny. I, you know, that's one of those wizard questions, sorcery. Would you, if, if they, they presented you with that option. Would you do it? I mean, hey, this one. Up, this one says I'd do a lot. The people would do a lot worse for a lot less, and I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm one of those people. Billion dollars is a lot of money. You know, it's, I mean, like come on, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, a million dollars is a lot of money. Hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. A billion dollars? Are you kidding me? Uh, but yeah, somebody said, "Do what for how much?" Service members have this conversation all the time. A lot of guys would do surprisingly more for a, a lot less. Well, yeah, that's you know, to each his own. If you think you could tolerate it. And uh, survive it, but yeah, at the same time, that, that billion dollars would be pretty nice, be pretty sweet to do that. Uh, but it's one of those uh, conundrum questions you have to ask yourself. Uh, speaking of questions, coming up here after we re- reset the headlines, we will hear. We mentioned it earlier. But let's hear. We'll hear Dan Quinn talking about Cliff Kingsbury and the hiring of the uh, former New Braunfels unicorn down there in New Braunfels, Texas. Also, former Texas Tech head coach. He's now the Washington offensive coordinator. Also, we'll uh, we'll let Kyle Shanahan from Super Bowl opening night last night because we played the audio the last couple of, of shows from the owner of the uh, San Francisco 49ers, Jed York, talking about how stunned he was at one point a couple years ago when Kyle Shanahan told the owner that um, you know Brock Purdy was our best quarterback, our third string quarterback, our best quarterback, and the owner was taken aback because they had given Jimmy Garoppolo a bag of money and they had uh, given up a lot of draft picks to get Trey Lance and, you know, he wasn't real happy to hear that from his head coach. We also had uh, John Lynch, the GM, talking about he was pretty surprised that Kyle told him that. But uh, now we get to hear from Kyle Shanahan on that conversation and early impressions of Brock Purdy. Plus we'll hear from Brock Purdy himself coming up from Super Bowl opening night last night, and that's where we're at. We're counting down the days. Five days to the big game, five days to the Super Bowl. There's also a really, really big game tonight. With that in mind, let's uh, get you to the top stories and the headlines to start your 8 o'clock hour on a Tuesday. Top stories brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment, including that uh, beautiful new location of Top Gun. They're in Buta, Texas, USA, America. Let's start with college hoops. Another night, another big upset in the Big 12. Kansas State guard Tyler Perry, not the actor or comedian, he scored eight of his 26 in the overtime session. Wildcats took down fourth-ranked Kansas 75-70 on Big Monday in Manhattan. That snapped a four-game 
losing streak for the Wildcats and snapped a two-game winning streak for Kansas. That was the 300th all-time matchup of the two in-state rivals. Uh, four games on the Big 12 schedule tonight, including one here in Austin. It's pretty big. Texas playing host to 15th-ranked Iowa State. It'll be Longhorns' sixth straight game against a ranked opponent. They've gone 3-2 and two so far. Game tips at 7 o'clock tonight. Also tonight at Moody Center, uh, you have uh, also outside of Moody Center tonight, you have Houston hosting Oklahoma State. BYU's at Oklahoma, OU. And then uh, Wake in Waco, 13th-ranked Baylor hosting 23rd-ranked Texas Tech. Both teams 5-3 and three in Big 12 play. Very big game there. Uh, also yesterday, Texas guard Max Aismas named the Big 12's Newcomer of the Week by the Big 12. Third time he's won that award uh, already this year. The graduate transfer from Oral Roberts continues to climb that all-time scoring list for Division I men. 2,955 points now. He passed Danny Manning on that list. His past Saturday is now just 18 points behind the great Oscar Robertson. NBA last night, Mavericks topped the Joel Embiid-less 76ers in Philadelphia, 118-102. And from baseball, the Kansas City Royals and their shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. have agreed on a new 11-year, $288.8 million contract extension. It's the largest contract in Royals franchise history for the 23-year-old Texan who's entering just his third year in the league. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Indeed. And uh, as we said, John Harris will join us at the bottom of the hour. John, of course, uh, uh, works with the Houston Texans on their sidelines. And uh, so we talk a little Texans with John. But John also puts out a draft publication every year, Jay Harris Football, his, his draft guide. And so he spends the week in, in the Senior Bowl because the draft starts in Mobile. And so we'll get his thoughts on uh, his impressions of what he saw at the Senior Bowl and uh, his thoughts on the te Texas Longhorns that were there. Uh, and Christian Jones and Byron Murphy, also his thoughts on the Longhorns in general in this draft because he's already, you know, digging deep on that uh, draft guide he puts together. We'll talk Byron Murphy, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, and the uh, other Longhorns that will be a part of this draft. And we'll check in with John throughout the draft process because he's uh, really, really uh, top of his game at that for sure. Uh, we'll also talk a little Texans because I was reading something yesterday, Ty, that uh, you, John put out, John Harris put out his, uh, his in his draft guide, his opinion of, of now Texans wide receiver Tank Dell once, after he saw him at the Senior Bowl a year ago. So he, he kind of kept the receipt on that and put it out and it was spot on. And, and basically the final line was somebody's going to be very happy to take Tank Dell with a, a second or third round pick. Uh, and of course the Texans end up being that team. And before his injury, Tank Dell was as dynamic as anybody uh, any any rookie receiver in the NFC in the AFC for sure. So we'll talk to John coming up. Our, one of our go-to football conversations. One other note before we hear from uh, from the, some Super Bowl sound tie. This Texas basketball story I mentioned it a couple times in the headlines. I didn't mention it here, but uh, yesterday Rodney Terry was doing a Zoom availability talking about his team, the win over TCU, looking forward to the Iowa State game, and he kind of revealed that the uh, former Texas guard Doge Balbe is working with the team in, in as a support capacity, according to the program. He's not a coach, but he's since he retired from professional basketball over in Europe but in December, apparently Rodney and Frank Haith have called on him to come and help them out. Uh, he was, if you remember, you remember Doge Balbay, Ty? He was one of my favorite players when I was younger. I mean, he was just a, he was an in-your-face defender uh, from 08 to 11. He was one of the best defenders in the Big 12 in college basketball. And, you know, he went on to win three EuroLeague championships. And interesting, I mean, one of the things I talked about early with this Texas basketball team that was most concerning was their defense, that their ability to, to you know, to, to play D and get in front of people, stay in front of people was was problematic. I, I, you know, Rodney didn't expand on it, but I'm assuming he'd be asked. I mean, if you're bringing in Doge Balbay uh, and asking him to come help and uh, work with your team on some things, 
as a supporter of the program, you're not going to be somebody. It's not going to be offensive, right? It's not going to be shooting. It's going to be working on defense. And you wonder if Doge has, has come in to help these guys with some some on ball defensive tips because he's one of the best. Why was he one of your favorite players, Ty? I don't know. I, I just his defensive intensity. I've always enjoyed guys that hustle. Um, he he had a funny name. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't know. I just I, I remember him and his. I mean, oh, he what, was an absolute fan. What, what years did he play at UT? Oh, eight to eleven. Okay, yeah. So that was like middle school for me. So yeah, I mean, he would. But that was his game. His game was defense. I mean, and that was uh, that was Rick Barnes, obviously. And Rick Barnes was was such a big defensive coach. And Doge was one of his favorite players because Doge played defense, the kind of defense that he wanted everybody to play on his teams. And uh, so, yeah, you wonder. Uh, you know, and they, the Longhorns have gotten better on the defensive end. You know, as we said, they, they, that TCU team averaged over 80 points a game coming into it, and they held them to 66. And a big part of the, uh, the run there to win it was not just Max Aismas going, you know, red hot. Uh, it was getting stops on the other end. And that's the key in this conference. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're a Texas basketball fan or a Big 12 fan, you know this. You know, if you're going to win these close margin games, you got to get stops on the one end. And you know, they, they, that was why the game against Houston, the last home game last Monday, was frustrating because you were getting stops, but the Longhorns kept kept on giving up offensive rebounds and so giving second chance points, which ended up being the the key to that game in the loss, the 19 second chance points. And up in, up against TCU. They played a more physical brand of defense and on the glass where they didn't give up the second chance points as much, and they ended up getting stops, getting the board, and that's how they finished the game and closed the game on a 13-2 run in a game that was tied at 64. So uh, that's going to be the key moving forward. It was interesting earlier to talk to Ari Temkin uh, from Sirius XM's Big 12 Today, Big 12 Radio. Uh, he said, you know, when I asked him who's the best pound-for-pound pound team in the Big 12, he mentioned Texas as a team that, you know, when they're going and when, as they continue to figure out their chemistry – you know, can really play with anybody in the conference. I mean, they, they have talent um, that, where it matters, right? They have a great guard and two great guards and Tyrese Hunter and, 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 Do, and, uh, and Max Aismas, who's, you know, how about that, Ty, climbing the light. If he scores 19 points tonight, Max Aismas is going to go past Oscar Robertson, the big O, the legendary from Cincinnati, the big O uh, in total points is in a career, which is incredible um, and good for him. So you got, you got the offense you need. Now you have Dylan DeSue you know, working his way back and, and from his injury and really becoming the go-to guy in the, in the post. And Dylan Mitchell kind of figuring out his role. And that's the thing that, that, that is, you know, for Longhorn fans, it's frustrating to watch this team but because they've had to figure out roles and define roles during the conference season since, since DeSue didn't come back until after Christmas. Um, so you're trying to figure these things out. But, man, Dylan Mitchell, you know, and he even talked about it after the TCU win, you know, his role is defense. Uh, being aggressive, rebounding, uh, you know, he, he knows he needs to develop his scoring for the next level. But right now what they need from him on this team is to bring his athleticism and be a factor on both ends with it, uh, blocking shots, rebounding, um, being physical, getting out in transition and throwing down, you know, windmill dunks like he did the other day. That's the Dylan Mitchell they need. And then the offense runs through Aismas and Sue. Uh, and then when, you know, people, you know, hedge high on him, you know, you kick it out to Tyrese Hunter for a three. Uh, Kendall Weaver has been inserted into the starting lineup, and now he's become an integral factor for this team on both ends of the floor. So really like where it's going as far as, you know, the trend line for the Longhorns. I know the, the U of H game was a loss, but I think you saw a lot of positive signs in that game against the top five team. And then the win over TCU, where TCU had won four straight games, and they went in there and won that game. Now to come home. Got to win this game tonight. I mean, this is a, one of those, you know, circle it, write it down, put it in, in ink. It's a must-win game for Texas tonight because if you lose it, you're right back to where you were as far as, you know, one, you know, one step forward, two steps back. But if you win it, 
Now you're on a two-game streak, and then you've got West Virginia this weekend, which is a very winnable game. They're sitting at the very bottom of the conference. They're the one team where, even though you lost to them earlier, you feel like you can, you can, you can get a W there. So if you, if you win this one, you can go on a three-game winning streak potentially ahead of a big trip down to Houston next week. So really critical game tonight for the Longhorns. 7 o'clock tip, Moody Center. Good luck to our man Max Aismas. He's looking to go past the big O. And uh, I guess we'll learn what Doge Balbe does. This is Balbe, the Turkish prison. That's right. Somebody remembers the nickname. That's what they nicknamed him, Ty. The Turkish prison because he's Turkish and his defense was like locking you up. Well, and uh, he's, he's probably had a pretty long uh, Euro League career at this point. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we finished here in 11. And then, so, yeah, I mean, 14 years, 13, 14 years playing. He won three Euro League titles. Uh, and, again, never a great offensive player, but just a lockdown defender. And if he can help the Longhorns at all in that capacity, because to me that was their biggest weakness early, and they have gotten better. All right, Ty, let's uh, hear from some Super Bowl opening night last night. Actually, let's start with Dan Quinn. wanted our 8 o'clock audience to hear some Dan Quinn conversation. This was Dan on, uh, you know, the hiring of Cliff Kingsbury and why, you know, they kind of had to outbid the Raiders to get Cliff Kingsbury. But it was important to Mike, to, uh, to Dan Quinn, uh, you know, getting that second head coaching job. He wanted to make sure – you know, as Rod always talks about, we always uh, agree that, you know, when a defensive coach is given a, you know, hired in the NFL, you, your biggest hire is who that offensive coordinator is, who's going to run that side of the ball while you focus on the defense and the culture and the team. Here's Dan Quinn yesterday on the hiring of uh, Cliff. Cliff has always been somebody that I've kept up with. Years ago, we both coached in college and then competed against each other. I certainly followed his career in the same way of why I wanted to hire Kyle years ago. Like, he was hard to go against going against Cliff, those same feelings you had. This is going to be tough. Matchups, formation, <coughs> speed, shots down the field, aggressiveness, boldness to go. As a coach, you were writing down some names if this is something in your future that said, if I get that shot, this is somebody I would want to talk to. All right, there you go. Uh, so comparing him to to uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, that when you got to Atlanta, that Kyle Shanahan was the rising offensive mind that he wanted to, you know, to have come in, and obviously it worked to the tune of a Super Bowl and a trip to the Super Bowl, and um, you know, pretty good stuff right there with with Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury back running it. And, and you know, the head coaching success or lack thereof is obviously a conversation around Cliff, but man, I don't think anybody doubts his ability to develop quarterbacks. Uh, you know, design offense, you know, call plays, those kind of things. That's a strength of his, and he's going to get to do that now. Uh, with whoever they draft with that second pick in Washington, he's going to help develop and cultivate that quarterback uh, in our nation's capital. Speaking of Kyle Shanahan, uh, he was – uh, holding court like everybody was last night. It was Super Bowl opening night, so those opening press conferences and all the Super Bowl conversation. And so, you know, obviously, somebody was going to ask Kyle Shanahan about the conversations of the last week that uh, Jed York, the owner, you know, admitted that Kyle at one point a couple years ago said that Brock Purdy was their best quarterback, even though they had two other quarterbacks that were making a lot more money than Brock. Here's Kyle Shanahan when asked to expand on that, and uh, now that Brock Purdy is his starting quarterback leading them to a Super Bowl. Well, it's... it's... It's funny to hear Jed say that because it wasn't the smartest moment I've ever had. I mean, when owner comes in after training camp practices and it's like, hey, how's the quarterback? And he, what he means is the starter or the second. And you and irritation go, I don't know, but our third guy's the best. Like, that's not what he wants to hear. So that's why he remembers it very strong. But that was just more, Brock was so good right away with every rep he got. He was always the same. And he only got a couple of them. So it was easy for me to say. Because in his few reps, he was the best. But if you know that for a fact, I mean, 
then you do what you do right away. But he was the best, and but you ease that on. And every time he got a little more reps, it was the same as when he only got two. And so when it was all said and done and he got a lot of playing time, I was like, oh, this looks exactly like what I told you when I was irritated. And he only had three reps. And I said, no, he's the best. But that's what was so real about Brock. That's why after his seven games, his rookie year, even when he got hurt, we knew what we had because he'd been that way in practice every day. And it was the exact same way in the games. There you go. And uh, Kyle Shanahan talking about uh, Brock Purdy. And, yeah, saw it early because he was just so consistent and uh, really outplaying the other two. Trey Lance, of course, was trying to learn the system and, you know, a developmental, you know, talent. And then there was Jimmy Garoppolo, and we kind of know what Jimmy G is. He can be inconsistent, but uh, Brock Purdy never inconsistent, according to Kyle Shanahan. And, by the way, Ty, Kyle, uh, Kyle Shanahan did confirm to Peter King that, yes, he did uh, reach out to and consider Tom Brady talking to Tom Brady last offseason after Brady had retired uh, because, as he, he said at, at uh, the media night last night, that, you know, they just didn't know about Brock Purdy and the injury, right? And they, they didn't know – they know how good their team is. They know how talented they are in a lot of places. And if Brock Purdy wasn't going to be healthy and, you know, how that elbow surgery, how he was going to respond to that, all those things. And if there's a question – you know, you, you keep looking. And so to, in his quest to win a Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan did confirm that, yes, I did, uh, you know, reach out to Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, and why not, right? I mean, Ty, that's, uh, that, that's what it takes. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you've got to make sure you have the quarterback position locked down. If there was going to be a question with Purdy, why not ask Tom Brady if he's maybe interested in, in playing for you? And if there's one team that knows you have to have multiple options, it's San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's – uh, that he, you know, people have asked the question, who is the most pressure on in this Super Bowl? Uh, I'd say Shanahan. That? I do too. I think that's an easy answer. I, I think, I mean, Brock Purdy's playing with house money at this point. If he beats Patrick Mahomes head-to-head as a quarterback matchup, then that's that's legendary stuff. Mahomes is the, the, the best. He's If he loses this game, you know, Mahomes is still the GOAT right now. I mean, he's the best quarterback right now of this era. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think for sure. I mean, Andy Reid's a made man. This is about Kyle Shanahan. This is about finishing a deal. This is about winning this game. And um, we know this is a high-priced team right now. And they do have the rookie quarterback uh, deal with Brock Purdy. But, man, they've got a lot of good players. They've invested at left tackle, at uh, you know Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, a lot of stars on defense as well, including Bosa and Fred Warner. So, yeah, this is a year to cash it in and get that Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan doesn't have it. And I'm, I'm speaking of Dan Quinn, I'm assuming that loss to the Patriots when they were up, you know, 28 to 3 is still something that haunts him. You want to avenge that and get this win. And and, and for, for him, Ty, health, right? Health has been a big deterrent for him. They, they've, they've not gotten here as a talented team because of injuries at key positions, including quarterback. And uh, last, you know, four years ago, they ran into Patrick Mahomes, who rallied in that fourth quarter to beat them. Yeah, I agree with you. Kyle Shanahan, this is, this is his one to win. And uh, pressure there to finish the deal. Okay, so uh, we'll hear more from Super Bowl opening night. We're also going to get a quick timeout, come back we'll at the turn, get you some little golf, golf conversation. And uh, uh, outside of that, then we're going to go behind the burn orange curtain and talk Texas football with our buddy John Harris, who was at the Senior Bowl all last week, taking notes, uh, rigorous notes, and watching the Longhorns. We'll get his thoughts on how Tavondre Sweat and uh, Christian Jones performed. We'll talk some Longhorn football and draft a Longhorn football coming back after we go at the turn. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? I'm all right. At the 
Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. Absolutely is. Always a good day to get over to Callahan's General Store and uh, see my friend Charlie and the whole team there. Keep your yard looking like a golf course year-round. That's what our, our main partnership is with Callahan's, in addition to all the other things you can get there. But uh, the, the Golf Tour of Central Texas is powered by Callahan's General Store and uh, continues with our video of Great Hills Country Club, which is out now on all our social media platforms. Myself and our... Uh, our local pro, Omar Uresti, took a tour, made some big shots, and had some fun. Take a look at that full-length video. Go check it out at, uh, at uh, all our digital properties there at the Horn, Horn on, on X, Horn on uh, hornfm.com, also on Instagram. It's uh, the Golf Tour of Central Texas, powered by Callahan's General Store. Great Hills Country Club is our course here in the first of the new year. And, Ty, it is at the turn, meaning we're halfway through our uh, – our, our Tuesday conversation and coming up, uh, we'll have off the record for the top of the hour and, and in the nine o'clock hour again, nine to 11, our man, Mike Craven will join us uh, and hang out with us. As uh, we found out yesterday, Ty, Mike is writing a book. It's a, uh, it's in conjunction with his job at Dave Campbell's Texas football, but also Texas monthly is involved in the binding and putting this book together. He's written, it's a 13 chapter coffee table book. Uh, and this past year, as, as Mike told us yesterday, he's big into synergy, right? And there were there are now 13 Division One teams in college football, and 13 weeks in the college football season. So last week, or last season, during the fall, Mike attended a game at all 13 campuses on a different Saturday, and he's writing the book about it and uh, just t- kind of telling the story of the 13 Division One schools and their traditions, their histories, and obviously they're very different. You go from everywhere from Texas and Texas A&M down to Sam Houston, who's in their first year, UTSA's in year 13. So uh, pretty cool. But in it, he you know, talks about the history of the programs. But he also, Ty, uh, is going to include the five go-to restaurants in those areas and for those schools on game day or after the game. And did we did we uncover the ones you said yours was Matt's El Rancho every game correct am I right about this uh, I, 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 did we decide if we were going to include Matt's El Rancho because it's not really near it's not super campus. close so it's a post game it is a post game meal though at, yeah it's a post game spot because you're going to make your way down Lamar after the game's over uh, but for 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 you folks you can text us because Mike's going to be back in here and he's looking for assistance on that because he you know the books he's he's writing it right now so it's uh, it's being written he's got his working five here in Austin for a Texas and going home game. Uh, but he's, he's willing to change them because it's not, he's not submitted it to, to, for publication at this point. So help us out with those. Uh, where are the best spots? Where are the go-to spots on game day? And that's pretty cool that he's doing that. It's going to be a coffee table book. I think it's going to be a must-have when it comes out because, you know, if you are going to go to a game at, you know, one of these places and you want to know, hey, where am I going to go eat? Where's the go-to spot? So uh, where is that going to be for you? We had some good suggestions yesterday. And um, Ty, did you? What would be the one that you say you? If you go to a Texas game, you almost always go to where? Man, um, I mean, beforehand maybe Crown and Anchor. Okay, Crown and Anchor. That's good. Crown and Anchor used to be in college. Uh, you know, Cannon Abel's, uh, the original, but now it's Abel's Dose, and I'm not in college anymore, so I don't really feel like I can go there. Um, and then to eat, maybe Pluckers afterwards. It's usually packed, but. You know, wings are always good after a football game. And you usually get the free five wings coupon on the way out. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that uh, Pluckers is good. So we'll, we'll, we'll pass those on to Mike when he joins us for the final two hours of our program. And uh, we'll certainly talk to him about it as we go. But, yeah, that's the – because, I, I mean, for me, it's immediate. It's Schultz Garden, right, because I did so many 
broadcasts that Schultz Garden over the years at the radio stations, and you know it's pre and post game, but they have good food and they got uh, you know the cold drinks and um, always like uh, Schultz Garden. That's really the, the gathering point if there is one near the campus, without a doubt. So we have to make sure that's included. So I'll push for Schultz Garden. Ty's got Kane and Abel's. So you can certainly send yours at four four seven three seven seven six. And that's going to wrap up at the turn. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store. A little uh, chatter there. Let's uh, get you ready for behind the BOC. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, it is uh, behind the BOC. Rod will be back tomorrow from his wisdom teeth extraction. But uh, in Rod's absence, what better pinch hitter than our man John Harris, sideline uh, man for the Houston Texans for years and years, also works at uh, HoustonTexans.com, but also publishes a draft guide every year that is as good as they get. Uh, you can find him at uh, J Harris Football on X slash Twitter, and you can uh, hear him on uh, on our conversation whenever we can get a hold of him and, and talk with him. He's our buddy John Harris. Hey, John, how are you? Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, Aaron. I hope you're doing well, and hope everybody in Austin's well. It's been a pretty exciting, uh, pretty exciting fall for for those wearing the, the uh, Texas orange. Yeah, man. Well, the, it was a good fall if you're a Longhorn fan because you kind of turned a corner. And for you, suffering through some uh, pretty miserable years with the Houston Texans, I mean, it's your it's your job, and you, you show up and do a great job of it. But, man, there were some tough times in there. But, man, what a breath of fresh air. D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud, and just this it, – it's hard to imagine the 180 that organization did, uh, you know, in a calendar year. Yeah, for it to be so immediate was uh, – it was – I mean – shocking even for us. I mean, you know, it started, you know, at the, with, with the decision to sign D'Amico because, you know, Mark Vander, Vandermeer and I would sit during kind of the, the period of not having a coach. We'd sit in the studio and we'd just kind of talk like, okay, we wouldn't even talk about D'Amico because we just didn't even think it was possible. It was always, you know, this permanent plan B. Like, okay, we all know D'Amico is the guy we want, but yeah, all right, we know that's not going to happen. So, Who's it going to be? And then I ended up going to the Senior Bowl, and I, I ended up driving there, I think, on a Sunday. And that's when things started picking up with D'Amico. And, you know, I'm in Mobile, and I'm, I'm texting Mark, like, is this thing going to happen? Like, come on, man, this can't happen. Like, and, and I think that was just kind of the PTSD from the last three years. You know, we just couldn't – it was the, the proverbial – we couldn't have anything good. Um, and then, oh, it's happening. You know, for first day of the Senior Bowl – um, I got, I've got people coming up to me one year after, as I walk through the gates, people are snickering because I'm wearing Texans gear. <laughs> like they're live. I like Texas. Like they literally, I could hear them laughing as I went by and <laughs> I'm like, okay, well that, that, that that's got to change. And now all of a sudden it's like, man, Miko, like, yeah, um, this is, this is a great step. And then you just started seeing every single step seem to be right. You know, they signed some free agents. Like, wait a second, on the same day, they signed Devin Singletary and uh, and Dalton Schultz to one-year contracts. Like, who? We signed Devin Singletary and Dalton Schultz. Okay. And then you obviously get to draft night, and CJ's drafted, and you have this, you know, like 20-minute period or so where we're debating what they're going to do with number two Jay Stroud, we're reacting to having a young quarterback that we all, well, I, I liked. 
um, look over and you know, the producer is looking at us going, hey, they're trading up for Will Anderson too. Like, wow. So it was all this that was happening, but it's like, okay, now that was great. But now have growing pains. We've got a rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback's coach, um, a rookie quarterback face the franchise defensively as a rookie. Um, okay, yeah, okay, we're going to, you know, five wins, six wins. Yeah, that'd be better than, than last year. We'll be much more competitive, et cetera. Out of the gates, the first two games, and like, oh man. And then it was the Colts game that was really frustrating because we felt like we the Colts, and they just they kicked us around. Like, man, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, the season changed in week three. You had obviously some great offensive play, but you got a little bit of luck. You realize, okay, we can play. D'Amico's having an impact. There's a positive vibe that's going through this building. And you realize what all of that was worth. And you just kept playing, and you won some magical games throughout the year against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. And you, you look up, and it was the Cincinnati game where, you know, I'm in the locker room, and I'm like, holy cow, like, I think this can happen. Like, just a playoff run. I think a playoff run can happen. I, I think we could get into the playoffs, and I think we can get there. You know, and then, obviously, CJ got hurt, and we're like, oh, man, those two games were tough, but beat Tennessee with Case Keenum. I mean, come on, man. Is this thing real? Um beating the Browns, and the, you know, we beat the Colts on a Saturday night, the first time we played a primetime game. It's the first time, Aaron, we played a game that was not new. And on the first play of the game, C.J. goes 75 yards to Nico and thought, are we going to get in the playoffs? Okay, we got the playoffs. Then Tennessee helps us out. We win a division, and then we get the Browns here, a bit of revenge. You know, we ran into a buzzsaw with, with Baltimore. They were, they were rested. They were ready. Um, and we didn't play our best game that night. But when you consider – where we were last year at this point, we had just gotten D'Amico Ryan hired. We didn't even have a staff. We had, you know, you know, trying to figure out what the roster is going to be. And we went from that to right now, you know, obviously when the Super Bowl's over and you start thinking about 2024, we're going to be the flavor of a month for a lot of people. There are going to be a lot of people going, hey, man, they're doing things down in Houston. we got cap space. we still got a first-round draft pick. Um, we've got seven at quarterback. You know, Will Anderson made the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, we've got, you know, offensive line, which needs a little bit of tweaking, but three of the five, you know, the three best guys you have are under contract for the next three years. Um, so you've got some – you've got the ability to do some things, but now you're dealing with expectation. Now you're going to play primetime games. Now you're going to play Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore all in the same season, whereas last year you just played Baltimore. So – you're going to have to rise up in those games against teams that are really, really good. You play a first-place schedule. It means you play Dallas as well. So it's going to be tougher. You're going to rise. That said, you wake up each day from here on out, you got a top-five GM, you got a top-five head coach, and you got a top-five quarterback, and that's a hell of a place to start. Yep, and a lot of young talent and an offseason now to, to get even better if you're in Houston or all the teams now. That's the draft process with John Harris, uh, Houston Texans Radio Network, but also Jay Harris Football and the, uh, the, 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 the must-have draft guy that you pour your, your guts into, John. It starts in Mobile. I know it starts with you with the film, watching their, their college film, but uh, then you get to Mobile and you get to see them up close. Let me start with the Longhorns and uh, just from this same perspective you just gave with the Texans that, man, you know, from, from – Five and seven for Coach Sark to eight and five. 
know, in the five and seven year, they had nobody drafted. Eight and five, they had the running backs. So, you know, four or five guys got drafted last year. You know, this year the Longhorns could have as many as, you know, seven, eight, nine guys drafted over the seven rounds of this draft. And some of them, some of them pretty high. Uh, pretty, pretty good job Sark and the staff are doing. Uh, acquiring talent and then developing that talent uh, of all the Longhorns, whether they were in Mobile or not, who do you think is the the best draft prospect they have in this class in 2024? Is it Byron Murphy or is it somebody else for you? I think it's Byron Murphy, and and sometimes, and this is where I have to you know stop myself and make sure that I'm not looking at it through Texans goggles. But obviously, you know Byron Murphy would be a guy I would love to have in Houston. His twitch, athleticism power um you know the the strength he plays with how you know his technique he plays with i mean he was he was exceptional exceptional this year and i think he would fit very very well with what D'Amico would want to do and wants to do defensively and we have some defensive linemen that you know contracts are up and they've got to make some decisions and so byron murphy would be a hell of a draft pick at number 23 now i don't know that he ends up getting to 23 um feels like that's to me, that's that's the best guy. Now, Xavier Worthy is like Xavier to me is a top forty. You know, he's in the top forty, and I and I say that because this is such a good. I mean, it borders on historic wide receiver draft class, and I feel like we've been saying that for a while. And it really, if you kind of just follow the trends of the game of football, you realize you know, more teams in high school are putting four receivers on the field. Well, that translates to college where they're putting more three and four wide receivers on the field, more 11 personnel. And that translates to the NFL where you see a lot of 11 personnel uh, being played three and four wide receivers. So guys that used to play corner or would move to running back are staying at wide receiver um, and they're flourishing at wide receiver. And I mean, I was in Mobile where at least a half dozen guys, I'm like, you can come to Houston, you can come to Houston, you can come to Houston, you can come to Houston. <laughs> and I'm not, and, and those guys, I'm not even talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, Adnan Mitchell. I mean, I'm not even talking about those guys. Those guys, I mean, they weren't even in Mobile. You know, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan from Washington, the entire Washington wide receiver group. I'm just talking about Lad McConkey, Roman Wilson, um, Malachi Corley from out of Western Kentucky. You know, the guys that were at the Senior Bowl were fantastic. Yet, group that wasn't even there, you know, of underclassmen that declared and guys that, you know, know their top 10, top 15 picks and, you know, didn't really need the boost in the Senior Bowl. They, they, this wide receiver class is outstanding. So, that's why I think Xavier, I don't want to say in any other year because the receiver class has been pretty good. But in a lot of, quote, unquote, normal years, Xavier probably is in the top 20. Last year, he's probably in the top 20. He probably goes maybe a, maybe a shade after JSN, but you would debate Jordan Addison and Xavier Worthy all day long. So he would have been in that mix, but now it's in this group. So that's why I think Byron Murphy ends up being the, the top-ranked corn. I think Worthy's right there. You know, Mitchell's going to be interesting. You know, they're, you know, at the senior bowl, kind of talking to some guys about, some scouts about, you know, players and such and talking about these receivers. And when Mitchell's name came up, to one scout and he just kind of looked at me like what like this like and i said what and he was like i don't know there's something about mitchell and i thought okay that's that's kind of odd so we'll keep an eye on that but again and i mitchell ended up here in houston he fit perfectly right in between tank dell and nico collins he would be the perfect 
fit this offense between those two. Um, Longhorns are, are, are come with a lot of ammunition to the draft, and I haven't even brought up Tavondre Sweat, who was in Mobile do the weigh-ins and he walked by the scale and just waved at it like see ya <laughs> so he didn't even weigh in he just decided you know what you see is what you get sort of thing um and then he went out on the field and there were moments of what did he just do he he just took Bo Limmer and broke him in half like is Bo is Bo Limmer okay can he get up after that you know and sweat had a few of those moments but he also had a couple of those moments where why is that guy blocking him as effectively as he is on this play, you know? And so there's a part, there's kind of an Albert Hainsworth vibe you get a little bit with Tavondre. Like they're dominant. They're dominant moments when Tavondre wants to be dominant. And where Tavondre has to get to is probably about 340, 345, because I can promise you that it was not 345 uh, or he would have stepped on a scale. Um, And he still dominated at 365, 370, whatever he is. But he got himself to 340, 345. And the reason I know he can get there is because he was a defensive end in high school at 255. That was the first I ever saw it was that when he was at Huntsville, he's playing a playoff game here at NRG Stadium. And I said to, you know, a couple of the recruiting guys I was watching with, like, hey, who's 44? And they're like, oh, that's Tavondre. Who Tavondre was. Oh, he's going to Texas. And I was like, he's good size, 255, right? Yeah, he's about 255, 250, somewhere in there. And he gets to three. So I know that 340 is in, he can get there. And if he does, I think Devondre can end up being a three-down player in this league and be a really good one because his power and athleticism are freaky level. So Longhorns are going to have a really exciting day one, day two. All those guys that, that we just mentioned, guarantee are going to be drafted Thursday, Friday, that before the end of day two, you're going to have those guys in particular drafted. Um, and that is going to be an indication of, of where this program is going that there are five-star players going to Texas and Sark is getting them there and then he's developing them. And that is the biggest thing. Once you get the recruits, it's a matter of can you develop them? And that is absolutely what he's been able to do uh, with those prospects there. And that, if I'm an NFL scout, I keep going back because I know that I'm going to get a well-coached kid, I'm going to get a pretty disciplined kid, and I'm going to get a guy that knows football and has been developed with great coaching throughout the years that's what i want in my program that's what i want in my organization and i think it's just going to continue to happen um and it's just going to be this big snowball that rolls downhill for sark at the university of texas john harris with high praise for a tavondre sweat at 255 at huntsville high school now playing about 365 at the senior bowl byron murphy as well hey let me ask you about uh, jonathan brooks i know he's coming off the injury but man he was such a dynamic player and what a revelation for the longhorns with roshan johnson and Bijan robinson to the nfl who was going to replace those guys and jonathan brooks before the injury in fort worth was having a hell of a year maybe on his way to a doke walker award and you know, it's a lot of high rank. Mel Kuyper had him number one on his uh, r- running back board. What do you what do you think the league's going to do with Jonathan Brooks coming off the injury? You know, it's interesting you say that, Aaron. Uh, you know, I was going through my notes for the Senior Bowl last night, and when I got to Tavondre, um, well, it actually wasn't Tavondre. I got to Austin Booker from Kansas, and I remembered something that a buddy of mine told me. He said, I had watched the Kansas-Texas game, but we were on the road that week. And so I didn't get a chance to watch it, you know, study it. And so we were talking about Austin Booker, defensive end outside linebacker from Kansas. And he goes, hey, go watch the Texas-Kansas game and watch 
Austin Booker give Kelvin Banks all he can handle and Christian Jones all he can handle. And he and they did. It was that was legit. Like Austin Booker, number nine, long arm, skinny defensive end outside linebacker was all over the place. He gave those tackles a ton of issues. But as I'm watching that game, I'm watching Jonathan Brooks closely and I'm like, God dang it. If doesn't get hurt, RB one. I, I, I don't. I don't even know that it's that it's close. Like I, I said this in, in Houston last week when I was on the radio. We're talking about and, and with the Texans. There's you know the running game was not good, and so we do we reset the running back room. What are you looking at running back wise? And so the, the the first thought is well, okay, you draft one. I was like, love this draft class. I really don't. Um, who's RB one? You know, is it Blake Corn from Michigan? I, I like him. You know, he's got great vision, but Will Shipley from Clemson, nah, I'm not sold. Uh, Dylan Johnson from Washington, okay. He played pretty well in Washington's offense. He's got some things. Okay, man, he's maybe, maybe. And then I'm watching Jonathan Brooks last night, and I was like, that guy is RB1. But the ACL obviously complicates things. And I, and I just don't know exactly how teams look at that. And 32 different medical teams that will have the 32 different medical opinions than Brooks and how that shapes how the teams are going to look at him in the draft process. And that's where I'm, I'm up in the air. No, if he's healthy, my mind, as I'm watching, he's running back one. I think he's got everything you're looking for. His just watching that Kansas game and seeing, you know, the cuts he made, the different types of runs. I mean, there's kind of a Le'Veon Bell sort of pace you know, when he's running some of the split zone stuff um, that they were running, some of the inside, you know, gap scheme stuff. It, it, it has a little bit. Now, Le'Veon got to a point late in his career where he'd run up the line of scrimmage and stop and wait and then go. It's not quite that. But earlier in his career, Le'Veon was, a, was patient, and that was probably where Brooks is. But there's that patience. And when he sees that, he has the vision. When he sees it, he goes. And I and I watch it last night, and I'm thinking, man, I'm talking to Aaron tomorrow, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say exactly this, and uh, he's RB one. Don't know how they'll look at, and and honestly, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about you know a guy with ACL tear. You know, we drafted John Mechie in, in round two of 2022, coming off an ACL that he hurt in December, and you know everything was kind of moving along, thinking, okay, Mechie's gonna be available probably mid-season. This is great. You know, he'll be back week eight, week nine. Well, obviously, then he, you know, was struck down by leukemia, and, and you know, the story takes a, a whole different turn at that point. Yells aren't the death knell for running backs anymore. So, depending on what the severity of it was, and I know it's bags he tore ACL, where he's going to be in his rehab, I think there might be a team or two that says, look, there are going to be other teams that won't or don't have opportunity to draft a running back what happens for Jonathan, which actually might not be a bad thing, is there might be a team that's got a pretty solid roster already that they can maybe take a risk with Brooks, you know, maybe in the second round and say, look, we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. You're too talented. We'll wait for you. You come in our program. We'll get you rehab. We'll continue the rehab. We'll finish it, and we'll have you ready. You know, hopefully, you know, by November, you know, when, when guys start breaking down and get injured, you're going to be fresh. And you can pop in there and be a big part of the – and really bolster a good offense. And I would love for that to be here in Houston. I think we just need more immediate help right away. But there will be a couple of teams, I would imagine, that have an extra draft pick 
that already have kind of a really stable offense that they look at Brooks and say, hey, we can wait for him. You're going to get RB1, you're just going to get him in November and then September. And then years beyond that with a young guy, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, Great stuff, John. We could go on and on and uh, will in the future and future visits as we talk about all these Longhorns and uh, the draft process into the combine coming up end of the month. Uh, Appreciate you, my friend. Great to hear you. Thanks for the insights uh, and and, uh, thoughts from the Senior Bowl. Absolutely, my friend. Good talking to you, Aaron. See you, buddy. All right, there's John Harris. Uh, thoughts from the Senior Bowl on the two tackles, the two receivers, Jonathan Brooks. We'll do more with John as we get forward to the draft. Uh, pretty good stuff right there. We'll come back. When we do, we go off the record. Mike Cravis joins us in the 9 o'clock hour for the rest of the show. We're rolling on. It took him up with Ian Rod B. D.D. Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry. Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get it. Bring the income. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, it is off the record. It'll be brief because of a long conversation with John Harris talking uh, Texas Longhorns in the draft. But obviously uh, we woke up to the news of the passing of Toby Keith, and uh, Ty's been playing some music of uh, Toby. Our friend Craig Flowers is going to join us coming up before now in the end of the program. The Colonel, he has some great stories on Toby Keith and a friend of his. Of course, he uh, lives in Oklahoma now, Colonel. Uh, His wife is from the state of Oklahoma up there in Bartlesville. So we'll talk to Colonel about that, but uh, he did pass away. Uh, won't have time to get into this, but Ty, I don't know if you saw this, but we don't have, we can't dive in too far. But uh, a woman on social media has gone viral for bragging about sleeping with 22 guys in 10 days after a hard breakup with her boyfriend. How about that, Ty? Sounds about right. Man, as a father, that's you. So proud, so proud. 22 guys in 10 days. That's getting it done. That's uh, that's putting in double time. Yeah, I mean, unless there's some some group play going on there, I don't really see how you can even do that. Yeah, what are we, Wilt Chamberlain over here? <laughs> um, yeah, man, two days. Uh, she she had broken up and she was free. And Wait, two days? I don't, no, 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 22 oh. guys in 10 days Oof. after yeah. she broke That's up with bad. her boyfriend. That is bad. Uh, it's like I'm so amazed by this social media, these phenomenons where these people go on social media. Because they, they do this on social media now where people like, come with me as I get fired from my job. And they record the whole thing and then they put it out. And they go, come with me as I sleep with 22 guys in 10 days. I, don't, I just don't... It is amazing. Attention. I mean, it's yes, a drug. It's, it's, it is. Yes, absolutely. And it's d- disturbing. I mean, obviously, as a father, <laughs> it's disturbing if any of my children. I mean, it's just like, but it's also this part. They really think people care. Like, do you really think people want to go with you to see you get fired from your job? Is that really something anybody that has a job that I mean, we've all been there? We've all had hard days where, you know, things just don't go your way. That sucks. But, man, it needs to go viral. I, I don't, that, so. I, one of my favorite videos on the Internet, this will be quick, is, is this guy that re, he worked at like a Popeye's. And sure. he wanted to quit his job. And he rolled in with one of those rolling speakers and mics. And he had like a whole song slash rap prepared. And it was it was very good. It even even his boss was like, "All right, I, I got it." Because it wasn't mean, but I mean, it was kind of mean. But I'll, I'll have to send it to you. It's hilarious. If anyone else is out there has seen that, well, it's, look, it's I mean, awesome. Some of the stuff that I see on social media that like, does take you behind the scenes, I love. Like I, the people that show you how to fix something, or you know, tricks of the trade and carpentry or something. How you can fix stuff that's around your house that you didn't even know about. I love those, man. Those are awesome. 
No, I watch uh, Instagram. That's pretty much most uh, most of my downtime these days is, is spent on my phone on Instagram, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and I lose time. I hate it, but I mean, I'm addicted to it as well. I just I'm not posting about my life. I like I like making fun of other people and <laughs> maybe learning something. I might kill 10 minutes sitting in a – I'm waiting for a meeting or something, but I'm not going to spend all day doing that time. But not all look day. For the lady, look for the girl that went uh, 22 guys in 10 days. We might, might get into that a little bit. Uh, also, keep an eye on California. The videos, as the sun's coming up out there, it is unbelievable. Catastrophic stuff going on in the Malibu Canyons, Laurel Canyon. Uh, they are being hit by what's being called as a atmospheric river of water in California over the last couple of days, and it continues – uh, the video from California and Southern California is scary, to say the least. We know that's an area of the country that already deals with landslides and rock slides and flooding and all kinds of things. So uh, thoughts and prayers to those folks out there in uh, on the West Coast. We'll come back. Mike Craven will join us. We'll also check in with our man Colonel Flowers for the end of the, uh, end of the uh, program today. It is a busy Tuesday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Yeah.